Hello and welcome to the Eighth Note Sessions. I'm Mike Shamil. And I'm Devin Mullen. And our guest today is Ryan Howes. Ryan, how are you doing? Uh, I was waiting for it. I was waiting you, for You that. knew the puns were going to come. <laughs> I, I'm like the king of puns. It's like sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, <laughs> ninth grade all over again. But I'm great. <laughs> how are you guys doing? Nothing bad. <laughs> Doing all right. Uh, Ryan is the multi-talented member of multiple bands. He's frontman of the Farewells. He DJs with Soundwave DJ, does Sound and Ironworks, Ethos Pathos Logos, and many more things. Dude, how do you make time for all that? Um, slowly and sometimes only four things at a time. That's, only four things. Right, yeah. It's still a lot of stuff to juggle. <laughs> only only four things at a time. That's how that's how I do it. <laughs> what drove you to explore so many different parts of creating art? Because you're not just, you know, creating it as a composer, but you're also someone who's well versed in sound and production and um and, and playing and performing. What what made you want to explore all those different directions? Well, I always liked um, performing, so that part came first was like the live stuff, um, playing, learning guitar um, when I was 10, maybe, I don't know, uh, but like as a kid, you know, getting your first crappy acoustic guitar from Walmart with the little DVD that teaches you three chords. Um, and then after graduating from high school really starting to focus on music. I built my first computer for production and got a bootleg copy of Ableton 5, I think it was, and just started putting loops and stuff like that together. Um, it, that's how it all started, but then it kind of all just cycled into each other. So the live thing brought me to being an engineer because I needed money. So I, and I wanted to be around in the clubs and meet the artists and stuff. So, you know, I wanted, you know, perfect kind of doing sound. So I started doing sound a lot, but doing live sound really informed my studio production because I got used to how to use EQs and compressors and all these things that you do live to achieve an end goal. I could, take all that knowledge and just kind of shift it a little bit over to uh, the production world. So they both work really, really well in tandem with each other. Absolutely. And I think uh, just going off the name of ethos, logos, pathos, you know, there are throughout your, your musical process, very high aspirations uh, of sort of bringing together all these different components that go into creating art and actually bringing them to bear. Um, we, we talked a little bit about this in our pre-interview conversation, uh, but the idea of uh, universality in, in your music. Um, I'm, I'm looking at your Facebook for, uh, uh, for ELP and you had like uh, something that made the charts in Costa Rica, and I'm I'm left to wonder, you know, what what's the the sort of creative mentality of someone who who looks to get into a more global market and and reach audiences who have wildly different backgrounds than their own. Um, it's honestly kind of an an influence thing, 
and that's that's I guess how you can or how I've managed somehow to reach charts in Costa Rica and church in like Eastern Europe. Um, it, the music, I don't know how to describe it. I just pull from so many different places to make all kind of one amorphous thing. And that's kind of where ELP came from was I wanted it to be this, this full experience, um, like something that touches your, your heart, your mind and your soul kind of thing. Um, and I think that really shines through. Um, I think there's something for everybody kind of in all the music that I make. There is everything from classical music down to like uh, electronic trap down to boom bap hip hop, you know, kind of making a little bit of everything and um, just loving all of it and not having to box myself into one genre. And I think that's kind of what broke into, I guess, the global sphere is not being boxed into a genre or like a type or style or anything like that. I definitely have a style, but um, kind of genre hopping. And that's that's always been my thing. I've always loved different types of music and, um, and was influenced by different types of music. So when I'm using like a dimbo kind of uh, drum beat, uh, which is primarily like a, like a South American Caribbean kind of style, of percussion and like lots of heavy percussion and then but taking west african drumming influence where it's really syncopated and there's a lot of drums that play all at the same time and it only works if all 10 of them are playing at the same time um but using that kind of that kind of chorus of percussion to play a style that's primarily south american but over music that is popular in, you know, Western music, uh, Europe and Americas. Um, I think that's what kind of grabs people because they hear, they hear a little bit of their culture, a little bit of this and studying the cultures, um, kind of being a student of world music and really understanding how and why it all works and where it comes from and where they play this kind of music and how they play it. Um, you know, from being in, like I've taken, you know, trips and being in Morocco and going to these really small towns and hearing these percussionists play with this, uh, it was a guitar. It only had three strings on it. Kind of like and, a cigar box guitar where it's, you know, very home. Yeah, kind of. And, and this guy, but he, but the way that he played it was like a bass. Like it was only slapping and plucking. And he only played like just a few notes. It was a really simple melody bass line kind of thing. But the drums were really the things that were talking in the song. And just being in rooms like that, kind of sitting and listening to those things and understanding, like, it's it's more than just mu music. 
it's like this is their cult this is what they do this is who they are and trying to understand that about different cultures and being able to push all those things together you know i think that that's where people kind of connect to it because they hear a sort of genuine like oh i hear us in this and it brings a lot of you know different people different things together i think that's how at least what i try to do <laughs> and and that's wonderful i think um you know the mark of any anyone who really has an artistic inclination uh, inclination is of uh, i guess what's called appetitive uh, curiosity this this need for for discovery for you know for new sounds for new ways of of creating um so that that's sort of the the personal engagement with art is it, it seems like this thirst for knowledge this thirst for discovery and, and sort of being inclusive and in, and in how it's presented bringing you know uh, this message out through space for everybody really to the forefront um holding those values up to some of the realities at home where things aren't always so inclusive and you know this sort of uh, again cosmopolitan attitude isn't even necessarily highlighted i mean people are very as artists pressured to sort of zero in on their very specific identity and lean into that <clears throat> how how do you square these two things with with the world you live in what your what your artistic ambitions are and and sort of fitting them together um i try to want to be like a i guess like a cultural bridge if i can um taking these different genres if you will and kind of putting them putting them together in a space in a way that's unexpected or kind of surprising or like a like a fun surprise i guess um no tragedies please yeah. right, 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 right. <laughs> and that's uh that that's kind of the mindset going in but it isn't lost on me um the world that we live in and i guess the elephant in the room being a black artist over the last year what that looks like and the responsibility that I have to the culture, um, the responsibility that I have, you know, to myself for my own reasons. Um, we, before the show, we were actually just talking about like, you, you know, how do you separate yourself? Do you separate your, the artist from the art? You know, how big of a voice are you supposed to have or should you have or do you say these things or do you do this um like i wrote an entire ep you know sampling different things that were going on um because that's that's what i that's what i felt like that's i wanted to share that with people and i wanted them to hear it from me in the way that i know how to tell that story um and i do kind of try to craft that like i used a lot of children's voices i guess in that in that specific ep um on purpose because it is a little jarring to hear a little girl say please don't murder me um i think that's i think that's a way 
better and different way for me to get that message across than for me, which I also did, but for me to write a long Facebook post about it, I did those too. But um, I, I think I wanted to use my skills to really grab a hold of people. And that's kind of what this last year really has kind of been like pushing to the forefront of, you know, it's time to put up or shut up. You know, any artist at any level, you kind of have a responsibility to your audience to speak to them and let them know that you're not in a, in a your studio doesn't exist in, in a fortress of solitude. Like you, you do know what's going on. You're not under a rock or in, you know, in a hole, just always recording new fun music and we're going to have a good time. And it's like, no, I mean, it was the middle of the summer and I'm an electronic music artist and it was hard for me to not write a fun summer vibe song. And, and, you know, I have to, it, I was feeling introspective and I was feeling hurt and lost and sad and pissed and all these quote unquote negative emotions in the middle of July. Um, when people wanted to have some sort of escapism, but I felt it was my responsibility to not, to not necessarily let that happen. Like just kind of keep the focus of we have to keep talking about this. We sorry, um, American fans, we got to do this. <laughs> uh, everybody else is just getting a lesson on what's happening. You guys have to also realize what's happening too. And do you ever? I, I think something you'd said in our previous in, the, uh, in our previous conversation as well was that you you don't want to speak on on behalf of somebody, and I I think an important idea to drill here is that no nothing is monolithic, so no one right. you know there, there there's no singular uh, like white black experience. Everyone has their own individual engagement with that. So in terms of speaking to these things portraying them in art, dissecting them, analyzing them, and as uh, as it intersects with the responsibility of being a public figure, do you, how, how do you navigate the, the, the sort of intractability of political commentary and works? Um, I kind of always, I always start with some sort of kind of phrasing like that, um, that, yeah, uh, blackness is not a monolith. This is my opinion of it based off an experience that I'm pretty certain a lot of people experience. Um, and even, you know, just kind of bouncing back to the EP that I, that I did write talking about this, the songs themselves were introspective. They were, they were deep. Some of them were jarring. I used sounds and different things on purpose to keep you engaged with what we're talking about. Um, letting the music, letting the music speak, but, um, you know, letting the, the samples sing to you and, and, and 
you know, letting you hear some of um, some of the pain and hurt that people are experiencing. But it again, it wasn't lost on me that I want to bring you into this world, and I want to I want to show you. So I want to come grab your hand and then walk you in here. I don't want to just it's it's not a screen like we're not we're not separated so it's it was kind of difficult to kind of think of how do we use our voice to to not just yell at people or not just be a sign that someone looks at and 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 there's no personality behind it or they can't understand it or they feel like they can't be engaged in it or they feel like they they're not supposed to to be a part of that like Devin you have a Black Lives Matter sign literally behind you um and I love that and I want you to feel like this is something that you're supposed to be a part of that everybody's supposed to be a part of every it's for everybody everyone's supposed to be a part of this and everybody's supposed to fight for everybody um so wanted to speak for myself to tell a story to my audience and let them know that here come take a walk with me not just this kind of blanket thing where you're just looking at it but we're going to go on this journey together and that's how i want you to understand this there's something to be said about encouraging people to sort of lean into the uncomfortable territory to to start unraveling something to start really examining a complicated issue because you really can't start making any changes until you reckon with those feelings and spend some time with them so it's awesome that you're giving people sort of a way sort of in the door you know like the door is already open it's been kind of kicked open at this point but kind of just right. sort of walking people through it and giving them a, a you know uh an avenue of exploration yeah um that's kind of a i've really battled with this of how how serious to me. what is the tone how to just not scare people i guess off or exhaust them with it because it, it is it's it's exhausting it's been an exhausting year for everybody about everything that we've done all all year long um everything that we've dealt with from the pandemic to the to the protests to the rioting to a different riot to um, the, everything that's happened in the political space and it was an election year and it, it's just so much it just feels like so much happened and 2020 was the longest year of our lives um, so yeah, how do you it feels like we're in it <laughs> great boy and it, and it Oh, no, go on. Ultimately, though, you seem to have a kind of an optimistic attitude about not not that the the fire is not still burning because you know of course it is, but right. that yeah. that some somehow there's going to be this by by taking people by the hand and, and leading them through this journey and, and showing them this thing and and some artists they do want to scare people. And some people need to be scared. You know, it's it's like very different strokes of different folks. Everyone has their own way and, and means of getting the message across. 
you're hopeful that things are going to get better. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, I I am a firm believer. I hope <laughs> I want this to be true. I think it's going to be, you know, our generation and below that's going to just have a zero tolerance policy for these things. They're not going to. I, I think if if twenty twenty changes in any great long lasting way, I think it's going to be people's patience have run out for the right things to lose your patience over. Um, I, I think people aren't going to be okay if you randomly say some homophobic slur or racist slur or any any of that negative thing that comes out of your mouth that's just a joke. It's not funny anymore. And I think that we're kind of getting to a point or we've already, we've been at this point where it's not funny anymore. I'm going to tell you it's not funny. And you have to just kind of sit with that moment of knowing that this there's consequences to your actions and your words and words have power and just really reteaching people those things. And because I think that's happening, I do think there's, you know, there's hope. What are we fighting for? Not that. Um, there's hope in the future for this this thing to be better, this world to be better. It has to be. And I think as artists, we get to have a fun way to tell that story. We get to use something that, you know, our God-given gifts to 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 lead that to lead that story, to tell people that and kind of project into the future what we want to see and put that out into the world, into the ether. I, I think that's beautifully expressed. So, in the here and now then, in the year after, what's what's the sort of the artistic lens focused on right now? As salient issues, as uh, stories worth telling? Um, as far as like stories worth telling or anything like that, um, I, I, like I realize like the, the, the news is, is exhausting and I, I, I think people are kind of, are kind of over the, the doom and gloom, but I, I, I honestly think what's gonna end up being kind of the cycle is artists portraying fun and love in their music. I think we're going to get, I think we're going to get there. I think it's already starting and I think it's just going to be this kind of overwhelming, um, you know, kind of display of love to people. I, I, I think that's kind of what like our artistry needs to put out into the world. We, we got beat up for a year. We need to just spread peace and love. <laughs> I mean, you, you look at like the history of Desco or the, you know, the free love movement and yeah, there, there's always sort of a, a pendulum reaction of counterculture or it's, it's sort of the, the opposite edge of the, the reality of the situation. That, that said, do you think Disco is making a comeback? Is that oh, please, no. please? Is that, is that uh, what we're looking at? <laughs> do I need to get some platforms? 
I mean, you could rock some platforms, dude, but yeah, I think, sure doesn't I think, have to come back. <laughs> I mean, I think you can. You can do it. You can bring back disco. It's 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 coming back. If the Smashing Pumpkins can release a disco hit, then I think anybody can. <laughs> Words to live by. It's yeah. <laughs> Go out and release your own. In fact. Um, one, one thing I wanted to, to touch on, um, is, is this idea of, of inclusivity in practice. And, uh, in addition to the extensive resume you already have, you've also hosted open mics before. Yeah. Um, and when we were talking, it's, it seemed to me that this is one of the most consistent places where inclusivity and diversity in music can happen. And why why does there seem to be such hesitancy in translating that sort of like anyone can perform, there's no judgment, uh, you know, just come as you are kind of thing? Why why don't we see more bells that are built like that? Um, honestly, think when it when you get up to your pros. Uh, I, I think at the professional level, quote unquote, um, outside of the hobbyists, I think that's where people start to put up walls. Um, and a good mentor of mine, Michael DeSanto, told me a long time ago, there's enough gigs for everyone. And we need more guys like that, that have that mentality that there's enough gigs for everybody, for everyone to get paid, to eat, to work on their craft, to build their audience. There's enough people to listen to the music. There's enough people to like the music. And I think there's this false kind of notion that every, that people just listen to one kind of music. Like if you're, if you like acoustic indie, you don't like metal. And if you like metal, you don't like hip hop, but a lot of metal bands that I've worked with, they wanted to play um, jazz vibes. I, I remember I was doing sound for, um, oh my gosh, I can't think of, now Now the name of the band is completely escaping me. Um, but it was a, you know, post-hardcore screamo band. And they were like, you have to play this Spotify playlist. It's called Jazz Vibes. And it's just basically a trip hop playlist on Spotify. And they're like, that's what our intro and exit music is. And that's what the crew like to pack up to. Because, you know, you can, yes, you can listen to metal or you can listen to acoustic music. You can listen to whatever you want. Um, but sometimes you, you, you're done after five hours of that. Like you want to listen to something else and to kind of box our audience into these, you know, neat little packages where if we're going to have a show, uh, uh, all the instruments and every band has to be the same and they all have to kind of sing the same and they all have to have kind of sing about the same things. And because that's the only way that this audience is going to stay and want to hear all the bands is if they all sound the same. I think that's kind of foolish. And I think that's where, we end up making these these boxes that you're kind of talking about and why these bills aren't built the way that an open mic is, where if you read poetry, 
you're also next to the metal band, <laughs> you know? Um, and I, I think there is room to get to that. I think there are groups that are kind of starting to push for those things. I, I feel like a critical uh, tipping point would be when you start seeing, I, I mean, what, what's left of them, but more, more well-established venues putting on mixed kinds of bills and because you're right there are there are enough gigs for everyone but not all gigs are created equal and right. there definitely seems to be a distribution of who's getting what gig as far as as far as booking as far as bills go um so i'm i'm, I'm just curious with with you you know I, I was curious on that with you playing in so many different musical fields if you think that's imminently going to change name point I feel like I'm asking it almost every interview. Why? Why is there the the Berlin Wall of Buffalo music? You know. <laughs> why, do, why does it? Why does it? Why does it exist? Yeah. yeah. Um. I. I think it can come down. Um. But I think it's. I think it's going to take. I think it's going to take, and I keep using this word, but an entire generation of musicians to be like, okay, well, we're not going to do it like this anymore. Because I think there's just almost a hundred years of complacency about how it all works, um, and at least definitely fifty years of complacency about how it all works. And it, every venue, that's just what they do, what they were taught, and and you have to prove yourself. And but how do you how do you get the experience? to perform without getting the show to perform. There's not a lot of, um, you know, kind of newcomer nights that happen in a lot of these venues. Um, a lot of them, they play the, it's the same established bands that are great. They're amazing. They're awesome bands. They've been doing it for a long time, or maybe they're just, you know, out of the gate were great in the last year. They've just been kicking butt and that's awesome. Love it. Love to see it. But sometimes it, it's, it sucks to see, you know, several different festivals that happen around town. You see the same 12 acts on every single one. And, but, you know, it's not like they're all put on by the same person. It's just once you become one of those bands, you become one of those, one of those bands that's kind of in the in-group. And it's hard to break into that in-group. Best thing you can be is a safe bet. In some ways, not in love, but in music. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the last question over to my co-host here, and uh, I think we're about out of time. All right, Ryan. How do you think that? Um, I how do you think that we could better bridge the gaps between the artists and the music scene? Like, how can artists reach out to each other and really get that ball rolling? Because you know, I think a lot of people are at the point where they think it's a good idea, but really don't have an idea of like what steps to take, or maybe they're just too self-conscious. I don't know, but, but what would you recommend? Like, how do you, how does one artist go and get someone of a different genre interested in working on a collaboration? Um, what I've found works the best for me, cause I've, I've done it a couple times, uh, make a phone call just reach out to people um i think especially in the last few years like the 
the gig economy, quote unquote, has really made a lot of artists be like, I got to do a little bit of everything to survive. And I think most people are really open to just working with different people, uh, you know, having different influences. You're seeing a lot of different groups and different bands that play, you know, kind of not different styles per se, but one aspect is a little bit different or they pull in like some, like a backing track that's electronic drums or something like that. Um, but it's ostensibly a rock band it's, or they're sampling, you know, in the, in the vein of like nineties hip hop sampling, but you're a rock band. <laughs> um, and you know, a lot of, it, a lot of artists right now kind of even in like the hip hop and, you know, that, you know, the R and B scene, they're moving towards these sort of indie samples. Um, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I hear on the radio like an acoustic guitar and then it's a rapper. I wasn't expecting that, um, you know, or just even the reference to hip hop artists are also rock stars and things like that. I think that is kind of a bit of a culture shift. I, I do think what needs to happen a lot more is the artists in the in circle need to kind of reach back for for people um and you know kind of bring bring them along you know you get your your headlining billing you know tell the promoter hey this band that this newer band that i like you know it's my buddy or whatever even a friend of friends it's fine but you know why don't they open for us um I, I can't tell you how many times an artist has been playing a set and they were like, hey, just come play my set break. <laughs> you know, just come play for the 15 minutes that I'm going to go to the bar and get a drink. And that way, the promoter, owner, sometimes same person, they can see you as well. Um, so you kind of, and those are the things that are going to start bringing artists together from different genres and different walks and I think that is going to be uh, kind of the, the, the bridging needs to kind of start from the more established artists need to help out the artists that are just getting out there, just struggling. And they kind of jump into the field and they're like, I got a Facebook page and I don't know what to do now. I don't know how to get a show. I don't know how to do this. I think music is art is one of those sources for people to, to walk in have no idea what they're doing and then they walk into these rooms you know from the songwriter to the open mic thing that we've been doing and they get to meet other artists that are a little bit more established in, in different spots and be able to work together or get taught something or learn something um and i think that's gonna be probably the the best thing that can happen for us is us as more established artists need to take that responsibility that remember that feeling that we had at the open mic um the first time that we performed like do you remember the first time you performed at an open mic that 
awful gut-wrenching feeling of like oh man are these songs oh good God. enough it is am i good enough oh, I'm, a, I'm not even a good guitar player i'm this i'm that i don't know how to sing all those things so you get up there you feel like the room like, just immediately shrinks and lasers in on you <laughs> <laughs> now, me, me i'm pretty oblivious i just walked up then that it, you know i, don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, just walked up, I, I was i was asked not to come back after but i, I assume <laughs> Yeah, I, and I I agree with that that philosophy that if you if you are in a position of power, as with all things, it's incumbent on you to to lend the hand up. Um, yeah, I think I think we need to keep that keep that humility and give people you know the respect and like the honor of. I used to be so excited hosting an open mic when I when someone would come up to me and say this was their first time playing out. I used to love it. Because it's like, well, first of all, thank you for coming to my open mic to decide that this is the first time you're going to play out. And I'll say 95% of the time, those people were amazing. <laughs> they were awesome. And they, they didn't know they were awesome because they've been playing in their room forever and nobody ever gave them a shot or nobody ever cared to listen or... They were too scared to even walk out the door and try because of this notion that you know the other musicians are going to stand there like this and judge you so i think as the artist we really need to be much more giving much more loving and much more inviting as a community to to the newer musicians these the the younger people the newer just new people the guy that's 45 that picked up a guitar last week that guy needs the same respect as the 16 year old that just picked up a guitar last ditch, week ditch the old boys network make a new people network That's there you go right yeah, yeah sure. and, and yeah i i i think if you're my my best advice if you're a uh an artist and you're like i play indie guitar but i love hip-hop music reach out to that community and say hey how do we how do we collab what do we got to do how do i how do we get together to do this and i'll say most of the time people are really receptive to it or it sounds like a cool idea that they never even thought of and i i think just the communication and the the fear needs to needs to stop Dude, those are some great words of advice. We appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks this, for having me, guys. This is awesome. Dude, our pleasure. And with that, this has been the 8th Note Sessions. I'm Mike Shamil. And I'm Davin Mullen. And our guest today was Ryan House. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. Bye, guys. Here's an excerpt from the song No Justice, No Peace by Ethos Pathos Logos. You can find their music on Amazon Music and other popular outlets. The Eighth Note Sessions are produced by Music is Art. Help keep programs like this going by donating today at musicisart.org. Thank you for listening.